Hello and welcome. David Plutus here, Silk and Slopes Conversations. Today we have with us two friends from Peterson Ventures. On my left, your right, we have Mr. Ben Capel, who is the managing director. And to my right, your left, I don't know, I'm so confused about directions now. <laughs> we have Taylor Jones. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're excited to have you guys in today. Um, let's start, first of all, just kind of with a... Um, kind of a map of where Peterson Ventures fits within the Peterson ecosystem. Because there yeah. is a Peterson ecosystem right. tied to money. Can you take a yeah. minute and talk about that, Ben? Yeah. So we've got um, it, Peterson Partners, you can think about as kind of the the hold co or the platform as we talk about it. Uh, and within Peterson Partners, we've got three different strategies. So we've got Peterson Private Equity, the private equity firm at Peterson has historically been what Peterson has been known for. So really been around since 1995, started raising outside capital in early 2000. So they have, uh, you know, they've, they're investing out of their ninth fund right now. It's been a successful run there. Um, uh, and then we have Peterson Search, which historically Peterson Search has been uh, a strategy sometimes known as entrepreneurship through acquisition where you'll fund either a solo or a partnership to go out and find a business to acquire. Once they find that business, they step in into the management role and run the company. And historically, our founding partner, Joel, has, has financed that through off his own balance sheet. But recently, we've started raising outside capital for that strategy as well. And uh, the team that is managing that uh, strategy, Max Arts, is running, it, running that mostly. Uh, they just closed their second fund. Um, and then Peterson Ventures. So Peterson Ventures, where Taylor and I spent all of our time, uh, we started Peterson Ventures uh, really in 2012. We raised our first fund of outside capital. Historically, we've been investing in early stage businesses uh, off our founding partner, Joel's balance sheet. We started raising outside capital in 2012. Uh, we're now just closing our fourth fund on that strategy. So we've raised little over $300 million of capital uh, invested in, in just under 100 businesses on the venture side since 2012. Okay, then. So the mothership. Yeah, that's right. Three different strategies based yeah. upon what makes sense from an investment thesis and based upon the type of orgs that you're going after. And the two of you, of course, here with Peterson Ventures. Now, have you been with the org since the very beginning? No, I've just been with the fund a little over a year now. Okay. So I was previously a founder with one of our portfolio companies called Blue Matador. We did cloud infrastructure monitoring. So the um, that business was acquired last year. And so I got to know the team well through that process and uh, lucky enough to join the team uh, early last year. So I'm Ben's been at it over 10 years. I'm, a, I'm newer, just over a year. But I got to know the team really well, really so grateful how they supported us uh, as we were as I was uh, on my own entrepreneurial journey and feel lucky to be a part of the team now. Well, and there's something to be said about having operator experience in an investment approach, isn't that yeah, right, Ben? Absolutely, yeah. So Taylor's the second portfolio founder we've hired on our team uh, in an investment role. So three years ago, we hired uh, my partner Alana Stern, who's based in San Francisco. Alana was the founder of a company called Weddington Way, which she started right out of Stanford Business School. We were fortunate enough to back her, got to know her really well over a six-year period of time. She then sold the business to Gap, 
Um, after she left Gap, we started having the conversations. She started doing some angel investing, started sharing deal flow, and that turned into a conversation. Hey, why don't we think about working together? Uh, similarly with Taylor, um, you know, after after he exited Blue Matador, we brought him in in an executive in residence role, thinking we, we might plug him into one of our portfolio companies, but he did such a great job uh, across the board, and it became pretty clear to us that we should bring Taylor on the team full-time. Um, so we, I think a lot about founder empathy. So even before I joined Peterson, I was part of an early stage startup, first employee hired, building product, finding that first customer. It's just such a difficult thing to go from zero to your first, you know, build product, first customer. And so I think it's a lot, it's a lot of our ethos is thinking through what's it like in those early days when you're, you're trying to do a really hard thing. And, uh, and so um, it's a lot of how we think about working with founders. And I think it is really important for us to have that uh, as part of our DNA. It, it's interesting when I think about entrepreneurship, having been an entrepreneur myself, my, running my own business 20 plus years and everything, there's this like aura today, you know, entrepreneur, it's a French word, <laughs> you know. The reality is, is that entrepreneurship has been around, in America at least, since the 1600s, the 1700s. It's what you did. It's how you survived. And yet there is a different mindset to being an entrepreneur, and yet many times the media makes it feel like, oh, anybody can become an entrepreneur. Do you believe that yourself, Taylor? Have you seen that? Do you think anybody can do that? Uh, I think it does take an admit, uh a unique mix of attributes. Uh, there certainly is a level of risk taking, uh, a level of, I think for me, it was often I, I wanted, I was in large organizations and really wanted to see what I could do as far as building a business, stretching myself, um, you know, bringing something to the world that wasn't there. So I think it does take a unique mix. I do think that ability to start a new business, there's never been a better time, especially think about Utah. I think there's you know, we're, we're raising our fourth fund is, or announcing our fourth fund as Ben mentioned. There's other great uh, seed funds here, other great capital sources. So I think there's never been a better time from a funding perspective. Also, the, the tools and technology that's available as far as the ability to build an app on a cloud infrastructure and scale it. So I think there are unique resources now that make it easier to build a business. But I do think it does take a level of, of risk uh, tolerance um, an ability to you know bring a great team together um, as far and to to really take that entrepreneurial leap um, but and that's and that's part of what we love about our businesses is those people that are willing to take that leap that we can go on the journey with to be co-conspirators so to speak and and back them as they they take that journey um, and i I do think it's never been a better time to do that though I appreciate that and I know we've gone slightly off of what we've talked about previously on the phone but I I just we're visiting, I'm thinking it might be helpful to the Silicon Slopes ecosystem to think about what does it take, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? Because as I've sat in on investor meetings, as I've watched hundreds, literally hundreds of presentations, investor decks that I've gone through, and again and again and again, yes, you need to have a great idea, a great market, a great, you know, problem that you're solving 
But the first thing, again and again, they're always the investors are always looking for the team. Yeah. Is it the right leader? Is it the right team that she or he has around him? Isn't that right? Yeah. It's always about the person or the people. Yeah, I think the way I think about it, and, and you know, we have an interesting purview because we uh, at Peterson Partners were investing across you know a lot of different stages, and so um, it is always about the team. I think we talk about that a lot across the entire platform. Um, uh, that said, I think the earlier you go in the life cycle of a business, the more important the individuals are, um, because uh, it's it's you know. A lot oftentimes in venture capital gets talked about uh, venture capitalists want to replace the CEO. Uh, reality is that's not the case. If we're replacing the CEO, it's usually because there's there's you know there's, there's a situation a where we there's yeah, a problem. We're going to have to make a change. Yeah, we're backing management teams, uh, and and the way we think about it, we have a bit of a rubric that we think about. I think the first thing that we think about is. Um, have you is there a demonstrated pattern of success i don't think success comes by accident and so it's why we're all interested in backing founders who have had success and are looking to start another company yeah. because they've been there and done that but not every founder and in fact some of the best businesses that have been created were first-time founders and so what we look for is demonstrated patterns of success in their life. They've been willing to go that extra mile. So you ask about, hey, should everyone be an entrepreneur? I think the probably the reality is probably not, it, at least in sort of starting a business that is looking to get to venture scale. Um, and one of my one of my uh, mentors once said to me, if you if you really want to start a business as somebody who'd been a founder of multiple companies and sold them and said, Hey, you, you need to want it bad enough that if you don't do it, you're going to feel like you're missing an appendage. Like it's that important to you because being willing to sort of fight through the difficult times, um, cause being a CEO can be a pretty lonely job. Um, I would say nobody feels bad for the CEO. Uh, and so you have to, you have to, there's a, an element of, of drive that is important. Um, the second thing we look for is you have, um, unique insight to a problem because if the problem is easy to solve, somebody's probably solved it. And if it's hard to solve, that's where that persistence and perseverance comes in. You've got to be willing to push through the challenges, um, and then we look on the flip side, unique insight into how to solve it. So that comes to this sort of founder, um, you know, product or founder market fit. We look for that a lot. And and then the final piece is we just look for, I say, a lot of times I'll say, look, the, you know, you don't, great storytellers don't often, you know, don't always make great entrepreneurs. But from the perspective of you need to be able to pitch this business and communicate a vision because, when people, you need to get people to come work for you, which for all intents and purposes probably shouldn't come work for you. And you need to go raise capital from people who, you know, rationally probably shouldn't give you money. Right. And so the ability to help people to understand this is why this matters. I'm the right, you know, we're the right team to go after it. And we're going to, we're going to work really hard to make this happen. And we're going to go attract the right people around the table to make this work. And we're going to, we're going to raise the capital we need to, to, um, you know, 
finance the growth of this business. I got, I got two things that came out of that. Well, I've got a lot, but <laughs> the first is looking for individuals who have succeeded before. I'm getting all geeked up for the college football season that's coming up here. Yeah. And as you know, we had two of our children who were in competitive high school sports. And what's fascinating is that collegiate and professional, who are the recruiters looking for? It's always those individuals who have won, who have shown the ability, even in adverse conditions, the ability to win or to overcome or what have you. That's number one. And I think that's just fascinating. Yeah. That, that concept of how winning. And then the other is about storytelling. I, you know, my background's in public relations, investor relations, marketing. Yep. Now I'm a full-time journalist and the number of engineers, programmers, hardware developers, doctors, scientists who cannot explain what they, what problem they have solved, what problem they have found, what problem they have solved, so their mother-in-law or their cousin could understand it is mind-boggling to me. You know, I use this analogy when talking about the healthcare field. Oh, we're so sorry, Taylor, your, your father-in-law had a myocardial infarction. What? Just tell me you had a damn heart attack, (laughs) right? But there's a reason the preciseness of language matters, but it's like when it comes time to speak to a consumer, you need to be able to simplify it and you need to sometimes be able to weave a story. And that's something that's really hard for people sometimes, isn't it? To be able to tell that story. Yeah, I, I think it's a great skill to have, something that we could all work on being better at. Um, and I think, you know, to Ben's point, it's really a vulnerable time as a, as a seed stage founder, you know, you, you need to present a level of confidence and, uh, share a vision that investors will want to back you, that great talent will leave stable positions. I was just on a conversation with uh, a terrific person who's thinking about leaving a, a great company to come join one of our startups. Um, and as a, a founder, you need to help them see the upside, see the vision, see the potential of leaving something really stable and coming. So both across investors, team, and then initial customers. You yeah. know, I remember uh, we were selling an enterprise product. You need to get you know, the head of IT or the head of a department, even the CEO, to, to buy into a, you know, a seed stage startup that has limited funding, limited dollars in the bank to say, yeah, I'm going to risk my career Try to procure this product um, that I'm going to use and kind of put my name on the line and associate with you. So uh, that takes a certain amount of storytelling, persuasion uh, to do that. And I think that's you know part of the, uh, the mix of attributes that we're looking for when we want to back, uh, back a founding team. And the reason why I wanted to take this journey is it ties back to what Peterson Ventures is about. Peterson Ventures is really focused on that seed, maybe even angel, but into a pre-A money, right? That's right. And in the decade, decade plus that you've been in business, you've now invested in 100 companies. That's not nothing. So we're here today to talk about the fact this will not be published until 
you're officially announced, mm-hmm. so we can tell you. Peterson Ventures has closed. How much? A new round, a new fund of yeah, a new new fund. Talk about that. It's we raised uh, just over 140 million of new capital. Okay, uh, 115 of that will be you know a, a new fund that we're investing in our core strategy, and then we're we're raised our our first. Uh, what we call an opportunity fund, uh, which is the opportunity for us to continue to invest in our business, the companies that the follow-on capital, follow-on capital, and our companies that have, have gone on to do really well, and we're looking to invest some capital in the later stage rounds. Okay, so 140 in total. Yep. Previously, you've raised how much in the three prior funds that you've raised? Yes, yeah, so we had. Uh, um, um, are you going to make me do math? I'm sorry. Live. I know on a spot. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we'd raised uh, just over $100 million. Okay, so yeah. this is more in, in one fund yeah. than you've raised previously in the yeah. three funds. That's right. And so from that standpoint, then, does your profile for target portfolio companies change? Do you look potentially for a greater slice of the, of the pie, a greater bite of the apple when you're talking about these new companies you'll be investing in, or is that going to stay pretty much the same? What's the idea of your size? Yeah, it's great. Um, good question. So we, we um, the profile is not changing all that much. Uh, so the plan is for us to continue to invest in pre-Series A. What's changing is our ability to write a little bit bigger checks. And okay. then some of those cases get a little bit more ownership. Um, so essentially, uh, you know, in 2012, when we raised our first fund, a lot of seed stage, seed, seed rounds were 500000 to a million. And so we were writing $250,000 checks uh, out of a $25 million fund. Sometimes it'd be more than that. But uh, over the last two years, we've seen a lot of seed rounds that are $3 million, even up to $10 million, but on uh, you know a lot of 3 to $5 million rounds. So for us, it made sense to be able to write 2 and $3 million checks up front. Um, uh, but we also aren't going away from our roots. So I think... We have historically done a lot of pre-seed investments, so we're not afraid to invest in businesses that are pre-revenue. Um, I think uh, one of the things that we talk about as a team when we look at deals, we've invested in six companies that have gone on to be worth over a billion dollars over the last nine years, and five of those were pre-revenue when we invested. It's and not so, bad. Um, so we we are still looking for those opportunities, and, and we'll write, you know, smaller checks into those opportunities, but yet we have the additional capital to put to work over the life cycle of the business. As we talked before today, we have a focus clearly on Utah, but also the Bay Area, California, because you have your one, um, Alana, is that? Yeah, that's right. Alana's out there. That's right. Ties to Stanford University, not a bad university to be affiliated (laughs) with. And then other smatterings around. So, right, am I getting that correct uh, as far as what you're looking at? What about industries? Is there a specific industry segment or types of focal points that you're looking for as you go out to examine the marketplace? Yeah. So we're, we're generalists. We look at a lot of different things. but We tend to gravitate to two broad areas of focus. So one is uh, B2B SaaS. And then the other is on the consumer side, we refer to it as digital commerce. So we have a history of backing uh, innovative, digitally native vertical brands. Um, so one of the first investments that Peterson Ventures team made was Bonobos. So Andy Dunn was pioneering this model of 
uh, buying, uh, building a brand online and disrupting the traditional model of going through a retailer and uh, instead going through digital channels. Um, and so we leaned into that strategy backed Bonobos Allbirds, which uh, was one of the uh, companies that Ben just referenced that went public, Photopoxy lo- here locally, Taft locally. Um, we find ourselves, you know, still thoughtful about that strategy, but also thinking about how do you disrupt traditional distribution through digital channels. So we've applied that to fintech, insurtech, consumer enabled marketplaces, consumer healthcare. Um, so anything that more efficiently buy- brings buyers and sellers, patients and providers together, we think about. And then on the on the B two B side, you know, again we look at a lot of different things, but a few areas that are really interesting us. One is productivity tools, future of work. Uh, uh, that enable knowledge workers. Uh, e-commerce infrastructure is really interesting to us, e-commerce enablement. So Logistics, shipments, all those type of things, right? Totally. So the, the long tail of uh, e-commerce brands is getting really fat, and you can build a really tremendous business and bootstrap it all online now with platforms like Shopify and BigCommerce. And so we're really interested in the tools that power those merchants. Um, healthcare tech is really interesting to us. We all know it's you know 20% of GDP, and... Uh, I think with uh, the pandemic, it just accelerated a lot of trends there. So we're really interested in any tools that power payers, providers, health systems, et cetera. Um, and yeah, so again, we'll, but we look at, you know, I wouldn't say we are exclusive to those, um, but we, we tend to gravitate to those two broad areas. Okay. So the short answer is no, you're not actually investing in anything or <laughs> everything, but there are some sweet spots, which makes Definitely. sense. As you know, my role here now, vice president of content, been on the team for a little over 10 months. It's been fascinating as I've been looking from down to Mesquite all the way up to Tremonton and, yeah. and then out to even Wendover and out to it's the amount of not just tech companies, but businesses. And what I tell people is, look, if you're not using tech today, you're going out of business. Mm -hmm. Everybody's using tech. And so it's tech informed, it's tech enabled. And then I think we're, it's not, everybody knows it, but no one's come along like a, no one's come along to really kind of frame it all as far as, Oh, this is the, the, the era of the microprocessor, right? Mm -hmm. As, or this is the era of the network. Or this is the era of software eating the world. I think we're now in the era of data. You know, it's the data, stupid, mm-hmm. right? And so when I think about data, every industry, every business has to be finding ways to identify the data they can then turn into information to make smart choices yep. and decisions. So as you think about that, are there any industries or trends? Ben, that kind of make you go, huh, we should be paying close attention to this as we go forward over the next three, five, five years or so. Yeah, it's a good question. I think there's a couple things for us. I mean, one is, uh, you know, it, it, every industry matures, right, o- over time. So we were, we were fortunate to be, as Taylor mentioned, early investors in digitally native vertical brands, which is the, the term that, that Andy Dunn uh, coined, which mm-hmm. is this idea of you're digitally native. A lot of people think, oh, you're an e-commerce business, and they they talk about how these businesses are now ha- have stores or selling through wholesale, and they're breaking the model. Actually, that is the model. The, the model is to take that 
the thing you start online. You start online, but then you expand into other channels. Where are your consumers? Yeah. Right. Well, what happens is you do that. So one of the things that's interesting for us, Taylor mentioned, we're investing a lot in in e-commerce infrastructure because uh, as you expand those models, it becomes more complicated. So now not only do you have your direct-to-consumer relationship, but you need to expand into other channels. We see the omni-channel businesses develop, which means they're you know they have their own branded consumer store. So locally, we see that here with Cotopaxi. We've seen that with Bonobos, who has over 100 stores. Allbirds is going to have you know probably 200 stores over time. But then also you find wholesale relationships that work and make sense for your brand. But what that means is there's a lot of data to manage and then understanding how each one of those channels is performing and how that impacts the way you're thinking about um, uh, all the components of the business. So you mentioned it earlier. It's everything from shipping to – so we we look at that industry in particular and, and e-commerce, the growth rate of e-commerce, which has been accelerated via the pandemic, and understanding – how to as those models and those businesses become more complex, how do you manage those businesses effectively? So I think that's one area. I think the second is, and the way I think about it, there's a lot of buzzwords in 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 the venture capital circles, uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, um, you know, we talk about blockchains, but for us, it's about what are the application of those tools. So we were fortunate to be investors in HireVue and, and you know, it wasn't until HireVue had a million interviews in their database and they could take those million interviews and start to build data models around them that we developed really interesting artificial intelligence we could apply to people who were doing first interviews. Yeah. Right? And so for us, I think you're right, it is about the data, but then it's about, you know, it, garbage in, garbage out. So how do you get the data and then, and then use things once you have that data, artificial intelligence to make that data um, do more for you. And the today, there's just so much opportunity across all of the sectors that we talked about to do yeah. that. But the one in particular, um, you know, we've been spending a lot of time as this this uh, e-commerce infrastructure. I think that's really interesting, and uh, had a feature uh, that that ran recently. Um, on silk, silk newsroom.silkandslopes.com <laughs> and on silkandslopes.tv with the CEO of a very interesting company down in St. George. All they do is keep track of shipping. How much does it cost to get this product from here to here? What are the taxes? What are the fees? What are the duties? Oh, you're going into Canada. Oh, then you have to pay for a tax in a province. And I was like, what? Yep. And it's like, are you kidding me? That's a company called Zonos, if you weren't clear about that. And they closed here on not too long ago, $69 million and everything, a round of funding. They're dealing with over 180 countries and territories around the world. Basically, every place it's legal for the United States citizen or business to have interaction with, they deal with that. It's all about understanding the rules, understanding the data. And the more data they get, making informed decisions about that becomes really interesting. Very cool. Um, typically, people know how to reach 
your firm, oh, I've got an idea. Can I get mm-hmm. you my DAC? You're not necessarily looking for new opportunities, but you're not opposed to having somebody approach you. Is that right? Or you say, do this, you know, stay away from me. No, absolutely. I think uh, I've just been thinking back in your comment about the football teams. Yeah. And you're, okay. You're, you know, you think about talent. I think that's has been mentioned. We've um, been lucky enough to found some some businesses that have gone on to be worth more than a billion. It was really just betting on the founders and and uh, you know, obviously we need to believe in the concept and the market, but really backing them. And so we love to meet founders uh, before they're ready to meet make that journey. You know, and and how do you uh, how can we be, as I mentioned, that kind of co-conspirator, but how do we help you think through uh, taking that leap? And so, yeah, if it's now or if it's you're thinking about it now or in the future, we'd love to start making that, that relationship with you. So we're active on social media. You can contact us there. We've got okay. our, our email up on the website, which goes right to my inbox. So I check that often. Um, and yeah, we'd, we'd love to form a relationship with you. The other thing we love to do is if it's, you don't want to be a founder, but we're always looking for great talent to join our portfolio companies. Um, and I think that's often kind of the, you know, my, where I came from a really big organization and, and jumped into a startup, I think sometimes that interim step of how do you see what the, that, see the playbook of how you grow and scale a business too. And I think that's sometimes an interim step to really wanting to, to take that final plunge and be a founder. So, um, yeah, we're, we try to be active with you all with your events and in the community and, and try and try and meet, uh, talented people wherever we can. So yeah, don't hesitate to reach out and, I'm happy to you know meet even informally and and talk through what that uh, what that founding journey could look like. Perfect. So in closing, what do we miss? What didn't we talk about today? And I don't mean like talking about the January sixth investigations <laughs> or anything. I'm just like in yeah, general. Is we, my pay grade. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Uh, so, no, but seriously, I mean, is there anything yeah. that we didn't talk about today that you'd like to maybe close with? Either of you. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, the last thing that I would say is, uh, you know, I, having been at Peterson now since 2010 and, and the opportunity to, to, you know, play a role in building the venture business, um, we're really fortunate to do what we do, right? Um, you talked about it, the opportunity to meet with founders and think through, hear them talk about the vision that they have um, and why they're deciding to dedicate their lives. You know, they're, they're making an investment decision themselves. Uh, and so um, I think, you know, what we try to do is, is bring a level of respect into that relationship. Um, uh, it, it, we think of ourselves as, I mean, we, we like to solve problems. So uh, when you talk about, Hey, do, do, should founders come talk to you with their ideas? Yeah, we're interested. I mean, I, I, one of the things now, uh, over 12 years, uh, one of the things I still enjoy the very most is to sit down with a founder, meet them for the first time, and hear about their idea. Why do they think this is interesting? Now, we're not going to get to invest in most of the businesses that no. we we you know sit down and spend time with the founders, but it, it's... Um, we're really fortunate to do what we do. And, and so at, at a minimum, we hope that in those interactions, we can provide something of value because we know we're going to learn something because this founder has spent a bunch of time trying to think through this opportunity and why there's 
there's a business to be built here. So we learned something. So we hope that there's a, an opportunity for us to to share. And and uh, so I I think that's um, uh, just from my perspective, feel feel fortunate to be to have that opportunity to meet with so many founders over the years and hear about why they're so passionate about what they're doing. And hopefully we're adding some value along the way. I think that's great. I think we'll wrap with that. Thank you both for coming in today, giving us kind of the Peterson ecosystem nearly three decades on and 12 years on with Peterson Venture. Congratulations on the new fund because by the time this goes live, it will be (laughs) uh, formally announced $140 million. Not bad at all. Congratulations. Reporting from Lehigh, Utah, this is David Pleas with Silicon Slopes Conversations. 